Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we'll be listening to Aunt Emmy, a story recommended to us by Cole on our Instagram account. Thanks, Cole. Aunt Emmy is from The Clock, a series created by Lawrence Klee. The Clock premiered November 3rd, 1946, and after 80 episodes, concluded May 23rd, 1948. In 1947, the series moved from New York to Hollywood and enlisted director William Spear of Suspense and the Adventures of Sam Spade fame. The move was also accompanied by change in actors, including Elliot and Kathy Lewis, as well as Jeanette Nolan. But you won't hear any of those voices here. This recording, like almost all of the existing episodes of The Clock, is from the 1955 Australian version of the show presented by Grace Gibson Productions. Seven years after the series left the American airwaves, Grace Gibson recycled over 50 scripts from the original run and met with tremendous success. It would be easy to get confused and mistake the recording for one from the original run. I know I did that last time we listened to an episode of The Clock. Whoops. The series was hosted by Father Time, whose poetic musings stand in stark contrast to the sinister foreboding employed by other show hosts. You'll hear a sample of what we mean here in the November 15th, 1955 version of Aunt Emmy. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Sunrise and sunset, promise and fulfillment, birth and death. The whole drama of life is written in the sands of time. We present a new series of radio programs, The Clock. City people are gregarious by nature, and they feel more at home in a crowd. Rural folks, on the other hand, usually prefer solitude. And they derive a certain comfort from the lonely acres, the quiet, and the peace. My personal choice? Well, <laughs> that's not an easy question to answer. Time moves quickly in the city, and the minutes are filled with a certain hubbub and excitement that throbs and pulses like a living thing. While in the country, time has a more leisurely pace, and a man can spend his hours in reflection. No offense to my city friends, of course, but I'd say I was a country bumpkin at heart. Particularly now, with winter coming on, when the 
snow begins to fly, the sleigh bells tinkle a merry tune along the backwoods road. Miss Hobson's house is just round the bend, about half a mile up the road. Do you know her, Mr. Kibby? Miss Hobson? <laughs> I reckon I do. We've both been living in these parts for quite a spell. I haven't seen my aunt in over a year. She was Mother's favorite sister. Oh, an awful lot of fun. You going to spend some time here? I've been invited for several weeks. Oh, over the holidays, eh? That's right. Yeah. Seems to me your aunt ought to be mighty happy to have a cheerful young gal like you around for a while. <laughs> it's kind of lonely way up here in the woods. I suppose it does. And your aunt ain't been coming to town as much as she used to, eh? Well, the matter is, I, I thought the house was closed. Really? Yeah, ain't seen Miss Hobson in so many months, I, I figured maybe she'd gone away. Then I heard she'd gotten sick, and uh, she went somewhere to uh, the hospital. No. Well, them things happen. I'm sure she must be all right now, or she wouldn't have invited me. Do you know what was wrong with her? Uh, no, I, I couldn't say, Miss, but... Uh, at least she come back. What do you mean, at least she came back? Uh, well, now, I, I ain't going to spoil your holiday with country gossip. If it has anything to do with Aunt Emmy. Oh, no, no, nothing like that. I, I just thinking that someone else went away. Never returned. Disappeared like a puff of smoke. Ain't found hiding ahead of him for two months. You try to frighten me with a country ghost story, Mr. Gibby? It's a fact, miss. A fellow named Collins, Albert Collins, came up through these parts one October evening, uh, yeah, around Halloween, and he ain't been seen since. <laughs> it would be Halloween. Was he carried away by a witch on a broomstick? You can joke about it, miss, but the folks round about here have the feeling that Collins was murdered. Murdered? Of course, that's just hearsay. When a man disappears without leaving a trace. Yeah, nice fellow, this Collins. Uh, he was a necktie salesman. Necktie salesman? Yeah, he carried a fancy line. He, 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 one of the boys at the general store said that he was probably strangled with one of his own neckties. <laughs> I don't think that's very funny, Mr. Kibby. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Uh, get up there. Get up there, Gideon. I was hoping it'd snow this way for the holidays. Well, you'd better start hoping it'll stop. Why? There's over two foot on the ground already. If she keeps up like this till morning, the Hobson farm will be snowed in. Oh, I won't mind. It'll be fun. What could be more romantic than a snowdrift in front of the door and a roaring fire? Yeah, I guess Miss Hobson's put in enough supplies. She's been caught in the blizzard before. Water, Gideon, water! What are you stopping here for? The house is behind them trees. Over yonder. Oh, yes, I see it. Can't go no further in the snow. Reckon you'll have to walk from here. Well, good thing I brought my galoshes. Oh, this is grand. What do I owe you? Fifty cents, miss. Here, keep the change. Thank you kindly. Hello there. Who's that? Don't rightly know. Looking for someone? Yeah, I'm going to Miss Miss Hobson's house. I'm Sid, a hired hand. Then give the young lady a lift with them bags. I said I'm Miss Hobson's hired hand, not hers. Oh, never mind. I'll carry them myself. 
Well, I'll take one of them. Yeah, that's decent of you. Well, uh, so long, young lady. Have a good time for yourself. Thank you. Get up, Gideon, get Well, uh, I guess we'd better go. You sure you got the right place? Of course. I'm Miss Hobson's niece. She invited me up. Well, you ain't expected. What? I said she doesn't know you're coming. But she invited me. That's news to me. Would you mind picking up that bag and leading the way? Suit yourself. All I know is that she don't know you're coming. I only hope she don't get mad. Miss Hobson. What is it, Sid? Looks like you've got company. Lucy. Hello, Aunt Emmy. Oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Surprise? I guess I better get some more wood for the fire. Why didn't you tell me you were coming? Aunt Emmy, I... What's he looking at? All right, Sid. Get your wood. Yes, ma'am. He's not very pleasant, is he? <laughs> Sid? Oh, he means no harm. He works hard, but only for me. He's handy to have around, even though his disposition isn't very good. Oh, sit down, Lucy, and tell me how you've been. Oh, I've been fine. I haven't seen or heard from you in over a year. Where have you been keeping yourself? I was just going to ask you the same question. I heard you were ill, Aunt Emmy. Oh, it wasn't serious. I need to rest more than anything else. I left the hospital just two days ago. What was the matter with you? It was um, mental more than anything else. Mental? Well, I mean, it was mostly in my imagination. Oh, but let's not talk about that now. I'll show you to your room, Lucy. Come with me. All right. Oh, you've got such a pretty place here, Aunt Emmy. It's so warm and comfortable. We don't depend on just a fire for our heat, Lucy. I have a modern furnace in the cellar, you know. <laughs> Sid said he keeps it hot enough to fry a man alive. What did you say? Why, nothing. What's the trouble, Lucy? You look rather nervous. Oh, I guess I'm just a little tired, that's all. It's been a long trip. Yes. Well, you'll get a good night's rest in here. This guest room's very comfortable. And it's certainly nice to have someone in it again. Hasn't been occupied since I went to hospital. On Halloween. Halloween? Oh, dear. Sid forgot to clear these bureau drawers. Never mind oh, about it, Aunt Emmy. I'll take care of... Lucy, what's the matter? The straw's full of ties. Men's neckties. Oh, they were left here quite by accident. You see, I rent this room out occasionally to tourists and salesmen. My last guest left those in the drawer. What was his name, Aunt Emmy? Collins. Albert Collins. I thought you'd gone to bed. I couldn't sleep, Aunt Emmy. You're not ill. Uh, no, just restless. Well, sit down keep me company. Aunt Emmy? Yes, dear? Why did you have to stay at the hospital as long as you did? Oh, they wanted to look me over and ask a lot of questions. What kind of questions? 
I can hardly remember. Would you like some hot coffee, Lucy? Oh, no. I've just made some. It should be ready by now. Excuse me. Oh, I'll answer that, Emmy. Hello? State police calling. State police? Yes, we're issuing a warning to all residents of Colville. A woman inmate at the state hospital for the insane has escaped. She's in this vicinity and she may be dangerous. Paranoid type. Be sure and... Hello? Who was it, Lucy? <gasps> Aunt Emmy. Who called just now? The poli... I, I mean, I'm not sure. Something happened to the phone. The phone? Let me have it. That's odd. Oh, well, the heavy snowfall must have pulled the wires down. It's happened before. Can we fix it? Not before morning. Are you sure you don't know who it was who called, Lucy? Quite sure. I think you'd better go to bed. To bed? You look so tired, Lucy. Oh, I, I'm all right, honey. I'd rather not sleep in there alone. Would you like to sleep with me in my room? No, no. Lucy. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not tired, that's all. Please don't coax me. Besides, it's still early. Well, I think I'll go down to the cellar and bank the furnace fire. But it's so warm in here right now. Oh, I like a real hot fire. But what about Sid? Doesn't he do that? He's probably gone to bed. I won't disturb him. Oh. Well, did you want me to go with you, Aunt Emmy? No, I'll manage alone. Somehow I manage to do almost anything alone. Lucy! I just thought I'd, I'd join you, Aunt Emmy. Oh, but it's so drafty down here in the cellar. I don't mind. Lucy, there's something worrying you. Uh, no, Aunt Emmy. What is it, my dear? What's frightened you so? Aunt Emmy, please answer me directly. Answer? What for, Lucy? About that hospital. Aunt Emmy, tell me, did you... Ah! Lucy, what is it? That axe there in the corner. It's got blood on the blade. Why, so it has. And there's a pool of blood on Emmy on the floor. Lucy, Lucy, dear, oh. it's Aunt Emmy. Oh, you fainted, Lucy. I carried you up here. Oh, that blood on the cellar floor. It was only chicken blood. Chicken blood? The roaster we had for dinner. Sid must have killed it downstairs. Where is he, Aunt Emmy? Sid? Yes, I want to talk to him. What on earth? Oh. Let me go, Aunt Emmy. Lucy, I... Where is his room? Oh, over there across the hall. Doesn't he answer? Sid! Just a moment, Lucy. Why, he's... He's gone. Gone? Well, his bed hasn't been slept in. I, I can't imagine what... He may be in the woolshed. Oh, not in this weather. No, he's gone. And I had such faith in Sid. I didn't think he'd desert me. Could... Could he have walked out through the snow? It may not be so deep. Door, Lucy. You'll catch your death of cold. 
I can't even see the road anymore. You couldn't get through that storm alive in a thousand years. What's the matter with you, Lucy? Why are you behaving this way? What did you want with Sid? Nothing. Anymore. We don't need a man around. We're perfectly safe. No one will disturb us here, Lucy. We'll spend the night alone. Just the two of us. Time like falling snow adds up its hours quietly. You can sometimes hear the seconds go by, but the passing of the years is always silent. As silent as a country house marooned in snowdrifts, cut off completely from the world, and sheltering two women who are playing hostesses to terror. It's two o'clock in the morning, Lucy. I heard the chimes. Shall I put another log on the fire? If you like. You're very strong, Aunt Emmy. I always have been. You carried me up the stairs from the cellar like you would have carried a baby. You'll always be a baby, Lucy, to me. I can remember when you were five years old. I took care of you while your mother was away. Do you know what was wrong with Mother Aunt Emmy? Do you? I wasn't supposed to know, but I found out. She went crazy, Lucy. Yes. She and father. They said it ran on the family. From father to... How can you talk about it, Aunt Emmy? Isn't it better to face the truth? Sometimes it helps you to understand. Do you remember your mother very well? Yes. We were twins, Lucy. She and I. That's why I was always so fond of you. And I of you, Lucy. I still love you, Aunt Emmy, in spite of... In spite of what? Let's talk about something else. Come over here and sit with me. No, I'll stay where I am. Lucy, what's wrong? I wish you hadn't spoken about Mother, that's all. She was a wonderful woman. But she was a paranoiac. Is that what they called it? She had a persecution mania. She, she even... Killed a man, yes. Poor Flora. And now? And now? Oh, Aunt Emmy. Aunt Emmy. Oh, Lucy, Lucy, darling. Don't come near me. Lucy. Why don't you go to bed? Why don't you leave me alone and go to bed? I'm not tired anymore. Oh, Lucy, you worry me. I I know you're not yourself. I want to get a doctor for you. Now? Can you get one now? No one can get through these drifts until morning, when the snowplow clears the way. And I wanted snow so badly. Lucy, I have something here that could put you to sleep. Some pills. Will you take them? No, never. But they're harmless. I won't eat or drink anything while I'm in this house. Well, Lucy, the way you talk, one would think... 
I was trying to poison you. I don't want anything, do you hear? Nothing. Just as you say. That, that coffee you gave me before. Coffee? I drank it all. What was in it, Annie? What did you put in it? Nothing, Lucy, nothing at all. How do I know? You know because I'm telling you. And I always tell the truth. Oh. Yes. Yes, of course you do. I'm sorry, Aunt Amy. I apologize. That's quite all right. I apologize for everything I've said tonight. Don't pay any attention to it, please. I've been overworked and nervous. Please forgive me. Of course, I understand, my dear. Aunt Emmy. Yes? Why is it so warm in here? I told you before, we keep the furnace hot. But it's so warm, it's uncomfortable. It's getting almost hard to breathe. <laughs> That's just your imagination. Let me go down to the cellar and have a look. I Stay where you are, Lucy. Why? Is there something you don't want me to see? Whatever do you mean? I mean inside that furnace. There's nothing inside there. But embers. I don't believe you. Lucy. You're burning something down there. That's why you rake those clothes yourself. You're burning something. Lucy, be quiet. I'm... I'm being very silly, aren't I? Very. You wouldn't hurt me, would you, Aunt Emmy? Oh, never. Aunt Emmy, you always said you loved me. You still do, don't you? More than anything else in the world, Lucy. Then let me go. Let me leave here, please. In the storm. I don't care about the storm. I'm getting out. Lucy. Let me go. Let me go. Be quiet. Be quiet, you hear. All right, Aunt Emmy. I'll be quiet. But please let me go. Sit down where you were, Lucy. And relax. All right. You'll get sleepy soon. Then you can go to bed. No, no, I want to stay up all night. I don't want to sleep, Aunt Emmy. You don't have to. Providing you're quiet. Hmm... That fire seems to be dying out. What are you doing with that fire poker? Tending the fire. Then why don't you put it back in the rack? No, I'll keep it here. With me. And Eddie? Yes? I've changed my mind. I am beginning to feel very tired. Do you want to go to sleep? Yes. Good, I'll see you at your room. Oh, don't bother. I I'll go along. Oh, nonsense. I'll go with you. And I'll tuck you in. There, you'll be comfortable in here. It's still so warm. I'm going to open those shutters. Why won't they open? They're locked from the outside, Lucy. Why? Because of the storm. That isn't the reason. If you open those shutters, Lucy, the snow will come in. Now, I don't want you to catch pneumonia. Aunt Emmy, I demand that you open those shutters. No, Lucy. You'll sleep with them closed tonight. Good night, my dear. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Aunt Emmy! Aunt Emmy! 
time moves on. I wonder what the clock holds for Lucy. You're not going to kill me, do you hear? Kill you? You took the fire poker when you went to bed and you locked me in. Oh, did I? It must have been an accident. It was no accident. You deliberately locked me inside my room. What did you plan to do, Aunt Emmy? Strangle me in my sleep? Lucy, how I got out. Yes, I got out. There was a screwdriver in the drawer. It took me three hours to get that lock off, but I got out. I'm sorry about that. How did you plan to get rid of me? The way you got rid of Albert Collins... Collins? You killed him. That's why he's been missing. You killed him and burned him in that furnace. Give me that knife, Lucy. And last night you killed Sid. Lucy, don't deny it. I saw the axe and the pool of blood. Chicken blood. Do you think I was a child? Do you expect me to believe that? I said, give me that knife. You put Sid in the furnace, and that's why the house was so hot. You burned him, Aunt Emmy, but you're not going to do the same to me. You're wrong about Collins, Lucy. He may have disappeared, but I have nothing to do with it. I explained that satisfactorily to the police. The way you were going to explain Sid's death and mine? No, Lucy. You won't kill me because I'll kill you first with this knife. No, Aunt Emmy, no. No, I'll kill you. Do you hear? I'll kill you. Lucy. Lucy, stop it. Here she is, Doctor. Here she is. Aunt Emmy's insane, completely insane, like my mother was. But I'm going to kill her. It's all right, Lucy. Everything's all right now. You're perfectly safe with me. Safe? Give me the knife, Lucy. The knife? That's a good girl. Thank heaven. Sid got through to you in time. Yes, he uh, just made him, Miss Hobson. And we got the snowplow to clear the way for us up the road. Thank heaven for that. Uh, when when did you find out, Miss Hobson? As soon as she walked in here. She didn't realize that I knew where she'd been for the past 12 months. Lucy? Yes, Doctor? We go back to the hospital now? Yes, Doctor. Goodbye, Aunt Emmy. Goodbye, Lucy, darling. It's been a pleasant holiday. A very pleasant holiday. I've had a most enjoyable time. And I'll remember you to Mother. And that was the story of Lucy as recorded by the clock. (laughs) What was I saying about the country before? The quiet, the peace. Apparently the city is much less wearing on the nerves, but 
Be that as it may, I'm still a rural booster deep inside. I love the rolling hills and valleys, but most of all, I like the people. They treat me well. They make the most of me. From sunrise when the chores begin to sunset when the fire is lighted on the hearth and the family settle down for a well-earned rest. And on Sunday, I put on my Sabbath best and roost high up on the steeple of the church. No elegance up there. No chromium-plated grandeur of the city towers. Just a rustic simplicity. A good place to spend my time. The Clock will be heard again next week, same time, same station. It was written by Lawrence Clee and Hart McGuire narrated as The Clock. As Lucy, you heard Coralie Neville. As Emmy, Lynn Murphy. Others were Tom Farley, Ken Wayne and John Tate. The Clock is directed by John Saul, a Grace Gibson radio production. That was Aunt Emmy from The Clock here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And we continue here in January with our listener uh, requests as we're hammering through those and starting off 2019 here, getting caught up on a lot of great listener requests. And again, thank you so much. It's so much less work for me to do. <laughs> um, Tim picked this out of the pile, and you brought us the clock before. Yes. The uh, person who... Cole offered Cole. this up to us on Instagram. Did, did he have any thoughts about why he wanted us to do this or any? It was Cole's, I think, second choice. He originally sent a request to listen to It Happened. But oh, we uh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Lights Out, but we beat him to it. And right. so this was his uh, runner-up choice. He just really enjoyed it. Which I'm so glad we got this request because I loved the clock before, so mm-hmm. I'm, I've been looking for an excuse I to I went away one. and immediately started listening to more episodes of the clock, so I've heard this before, so I'm very excited to talk about it. Are there any existing American versions of the clock at all? I believe so, and I looked at, uh, is it OTR Cat or FTP Deli. I'm not sure which website has the really, really meticulous radio logs. The it, Digital Deli does. Digital yeah. Deli then has listed a few that exist. I have not heard any of them. But, I, I mean, it's got quite a pedigree with uh, Elliot and Kathy Lewis and Jeanette Nolan. Yes, I mean, I, I'd be curious to hear it. I mean, however, I'm not complaining because I am absolutely in love with the performance by Harp McGuire, who plays Father Time at the top. He's got this calm, mm-hmm. self-assured tone that makes so much sense because he's just so confident. Time is inescapable, you bastards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't need to prove how sinister he is. He wins. He's yeah. time. It's a fantastic performance. I like how they use that narrator in this story a little differently in the sense that you get your top, your break, and your bottom. Mm-hmm. And here, whenever there's a passing of time, you get the tick, 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 and he comes in just for a few words. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like any passing of time being accounted for. So if an episode has four or five of them, you'll get them four or five times. And I like that. That's a really mm-hmm. cool concept. And again, I agree with you that he's not doing a wacky shtick mm-hmm. or not trying to be William Conrad scary, just talking. Gives it a little bit of um, Ernest Chappell, Ernest Chappell yeah. sound to it. And some of the writing for his segments are just beautiful there's a passage here where he says time like falling snow adds up its hours quietly you can sometimes hear the seconds going by but the passing of the years is always silent wow yeah and what's even more impressive That's is really you memorize good. that <laughs> joshua's got little notes all over his arms like he's in high school. covered in post-its <laughs> 
Yeah, it, I think there is an interesting point where you realize how over the head with the red herring shovel you're being hit. Yeah, I think that's the weakness of the story is that they overdo that. And there comes a point at which it's so obvious what the solution is that there's a little disappointment in so, the end. Because I'm stupid, here's how I work. Well, this is obviously being worked so hard where she just keeps saying, but Aunt Emmy, you locked me in my room, and Aunt Emmy, you did this, and Aunt Emmy, and, you know, and it's like, okay, this is obviously misleading us on purpose, but not to the point for Eric where he went, because she's the one that escaped from the, not until they came to the door did I go, oh, that's the twist. Which was really fun, again, for me. Being stupid has its perks. It's not stupid, but no. I think everybody listening Unaware. to it realizes that, okay, there's got to be a twist. They, yes, they yeah. are over-egging this know, pudding. Did you know it was her that had here's, escaped from the asylum? Here's when I knew it, and this was the clue too far, is when they talk about her mother, and they say it runs in the family, and at that point you're like, okay, that could work for both of them. That could work for Aunt Emmy or mm-hmm. Lucy. But then they specifically say she had a persecution mania. Mm-hmm. That fits all the hysteria Lucy is suffering at that point. And that's right. the one that made me go, oh, it's her. And the reason it didn't click with me at that point is because I was busy thinking, as she was explaining her mother and her family history and, the per- and all of that, it sounded like a third date where they start to open up a little more and get a little more truthful. And you've got to make that decision. Like- <laughs> Can I live with this? And how is this going to rear its head a few months down the road? These things. There's the truth. There it is. Okay. Like when she confesses, she gets the hiccups easily. And like, <laughs> I am a paranoid killer. <laughs> Can I live with this stuff? Um, that point you're talking about. Even if you don't know that's a twist, it's the daughter. It's, but if you know it's one of these two, that conversation about their family history, knowing that one of them is a killer, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And there was the quick little half sentence which threw me off and made me like, what? what? I think it was the niece, or I can't remember which one, but saying it passes from father to and got cut off. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. So I was doing the math, like, that works for both of them still, but... Yeah. So that was the point of the story, is to make you keep guessing between the two of them. Because they quickly took Sid, the cranky handyman, out of the equation by making him disappear, so you think one of them killed him. He's a red herring in the sense that when she arrives, you think, this man is being set up to be trouble. Mm -hmm. It does become the storyline of On a Country Road. Yeah. Me or you... And there's an escaped lunatic <laughs> in a snowstorm or rainstorm, right? It also has that classic exposition-filled drive to the place in which the story will take place that we see mm-hmm. a lot of old-time radio, which makes sense. Because if you're going to do an exposition dump, you might as well use that awkward conversation you try to have between you and, you a, and a driver. driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it did make me think of Poltergeist because the it snow did is, make me yeah, think of Poltergeist. The snow is too bad, and he has to let her out before he yeah, actually arrives that, at the destination. That moment filled me with such delight of, I brought you almost to the house you need to meet someone who's not expecting you, who's like, I, I haven't seen her. She might not be there. Oh, there's a guy I don't recognize. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and did I mention the necktie salesman who disappeared mysteriously? <laughs> Two quick things. One, if you don't know, we're not referring to the movie Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, we should clarify oh, that. The yeah. Lights Out episode. The Lights Out. It, it was our if second new, episode. Not everybody's as nerdy as we are and like, oh, Poltergeist. Uh, 
I don't remember the snowstorm in that movie. Um, second, that was another weird thing. How long had she been on the sleigh before the guy said, oh, by the way, I don't think she's there. <laughs> it was wait one i think she's in the hospital well you could have said that back at you know the, the sleigh depot portrays the the working man of the rural area as like you paid me to bring you to this house on a sleigh great get on let's go all right i don't think she's there as far as get we out. go bye <laughs> and then there's the yeah, handyman cents. there who uh, i will not carry your bags <laughs> i like that he did all that work for 50 cents too <laughs> Kept the change. Well, I don't know what year it was because, like, in what 1880, they'd buy a house. <laughs> in some ways, my favorite part of this entire story, though, is that ride in because they cover so much ground. Mm-hmm. At one point, she says, "Oh, you're trying to scare me with a ghost story." There's Halloween, a, and there's a blizzard coming, and a necktie salesman <laughs> who disappeared. And it, there's this moment where you're like, "This could be any of fifty stories." I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> To me, it again, I had that moment at the top where I also thought, oh, this is just like poltergeist mm-hmm. in the snow. By the way, uh, you're always going to win me over with, as we've always talked yep. about, snowstorm Foley, man, the yeah. wind blowing. I love it. Yeah. Because there's she, something and she very... thinks it's romantic and you're like, sorry, sister. <laughs> Death's coming for you. <laughs> in OTR, there's something very uh, lonely and foreboding about snowstorm Foley. But anyway, for the rest of the story, I just kept comparing it to On a Country Road. Mm-hmm. The escaped convict, it's a rainstorm and a snowstorm, and then it's it's either you or me, and which one is it? So there is a trope going on. So when you get to that point where you say, okay, I've heard this story before, there's nothing very unique about it. In fact, an escaped convict or escaped a loony tune sorry i'm sure that's in politically incorrect but a loony bin person right. a cartoon around. person yes um, <laughs> right that's what i meant uh, but someone uh homicidal maniac is on the loose from a local hospital uh, i think there's even an episode of the flintstones which has done this it's been done and done mm-hmm. and done so then you got to get to the point where you say okay if it's going to be that then a, is there a twist that gets me, which it did, but two, how well performed is it and how well written is it if it's going to be that? Uh, and I found this to be really well done, except for, as we just brought up, I think the, the red herring hammering was a little too long. There was an element that was supposed to be, I think, part of the mystery, which made me laugh, which was that the house is so hot and the <laughs> furnace is going and going. Why? Because like, she's old. And old people heat the house to cinders. Uh, that yeah. did throw me. My I'm... house is that hot. Oh. <laughs> As we sit in my house, where, for listeners to know, uh, it is freezing. Because I like it that way. I'm wearing a scarf. <laughs> I give them jackets. We don't turn on the heat in my house. We were Scandinavians here. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I will also tell you, every time she said, and I'm not kidding, I'm going to go down and turn up that heat. I was like, oh, I got hot. <laughs> I got uncomfortably hot just hearing someone say they're going to turn the heat up. Like, oh, now I have to sweat. The phrase, hot enough to fry a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that the next time my wife says, hey, uh, what do you have the thermostat set at? <laughs> hot enough to fry a man, honey. <laughs> and I, I mean, I do work with food. 
in my civilian life. And so the idea of butchering a chicken in the basement mm-hmm. near the furnace just <laughs> brought up a lot of food safety issues for me. <laughs> I was like, uh, these people need to be retrained on... Uh... <laughs> well, in the winter, you got to bring them inside to chop their heads off. Um, so we talked, I think it was last week, about how I don't like to hear who the actors are and so that I can just listen to the story and not be distracted by, oh, that's somebody famous. Lucy, I don't know who it was, played her. Some Australian, obviously. Presumably, yeah. But I was convinced for a while it was Judy Garland. <laughs> Very similar style. Yeah, it was a little over the top. Yeah. I think it worked and in this. The Judy was a little the over the top. Yeah. Right? Uh, one thing I like, retroactively, the solution does provide this insight into the performance of Aunt Emmy, who seems to oscillate between being very stern and really compassionate. Yeah. Early on, seems almost schizophrenic, so it mm. helps to support the suspicion that maybe she is a killer, because mm-hmm. it doesn't jive. But as soon as you have the aha moment, you go, oh, that's why. She's trying to keep herself safe. She's trying to keep Lucy right. safe. But it's because she really loves her. And so I thought that performance yep. uh, did a lot of work for the whole show. Absolutely. And yeah. again, because I was caught pretty much off guard, Six sensed me. When they knock, oh, we're here to get the, yeah, the loon or whatever we're supposed to call it. Uh, is, that what they, is that how they do it? We're here to get the loon. That's a streetcar named Desire ends. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. St- Stan Lee, we're here to get the loon. Uh, Stan Lee makes a cameo no. in <laughs> Streetcar Named Desire. I wish. Well, hey. Uh, Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> What was I talking about? Anything? <laughs> Sorry, they come at the end to get the sick person. Paranoiac. Oh, yeah. way to clean that up. All of that, then when you backtrack, is really cool how it all locks into place. Like how the mom was reacting and what she was saying. Like, mm-hmm. the, And it's a domino backwards that goes really fast. Like, oh, she's a, oh, 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 that's yep. why, that's why, that's why. And I really love when a story has that effect on me when it's revealed to me. Go, ah, Usual Suspects is a great example of that. Like, oh, boom, now it all makes sense. So I enjoyed that very much. The last line's interesting when Lucy says, I'll remember you to mother. Is mother still alive and in the asylum with uh. Lucy? Or is that just a vague, crazy-sounding line? At the time, I just assumed it was she's forgotten that her mother's dead. But yeah, that's what I thought. But it would be a crazy idea that she's going back with with mom. I know into <laughs> the asylum. That's what I thought. That's a fun thought. I mean, by I fun, mean, not, yeah. terrible. <laughs> you can get a family wing at a redu- <laughs> reduced price. Uh, are you guys ready to vote? Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, absolutely love this it's there's a lot of trope to it but i did really enjoy it i love the clock so far the australian version i wonder what the american version of it was better or worse but i have to uh, see if i can find any yeah, of those guys but i love it i love the show i love the narrator and i like how this played out for me maybe if i had figured this out earlier i wouldn't have loved it so much but i definitely would recommend this i think it stands the test of time and i would throw classic on it uh, I definitely agree. Stannis has time. Um, I, I totally agree that the clock is is so much fun and, and has so many nice touches to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this story in particular, I think, does fall into a little bit of a trope that it does well, but it's not necessarily that innovative. So I don't know. I would say classic, but I'm super anxious to listen to more clock. Yeah, I think it's a great episode of the clock. Um, it stands the test of time. It's fun, but like Tim said, I don't think 
it elevates itself to classic. My favorite thing about the clock is just Harp McGuire and that those intros. I just want mm-hmm. to super cut all of his <laughs> intros, taunting me all day long. <laughs> the cold Making time me a ringtone. Yeah, I'm gonna give you some clock ringtones. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> tick tock, tick tock. Time for work, sucker. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you for recommending this, Cole. Yeah, thank you so yes. much. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You'll find other episodes of this podcast there. It's a great way to get a hold of us. You can leave comments on episodes. You can uh, click on a contact page and suggest episodes you'd like us to listen to. You can also find our links to our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram account. Uh, let us know what you think. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and become a supporter of this podcast. You'll get all sorts of great rewards like a membership card, buttons, free monthly podcast, an additional one, uh, Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. We've listened to a lot of fun, weird, oddball shows. We've listened to The Green Llama. We've listened to a shadow knockoff called The Avenger. We've listened to The Saint, Rocky Fortune. If you hate all those shows, please give us money anyway. We'll do better in the future. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, check it out. And also write us a review on iTunes. We love reviews on iTunes. We've got, uh, I think, upwards of 80-some ratings and reviews on iTunes. It'd be fun to hit really? 100. Yes. We have 80? Maybe more. How many of them mentioned me? E-R-I-C. None of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll just have to see if I can get on there and write some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'll never figure that out. I'll yeah. never figure out. I'll be on my actual iTunes on my computer going, how do you get in this? Uh, all right, coming up next, is it me? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing another uh, listener request. Yep. It's from Suspense, and it's called The Flesh Peddler. Gross. Until then. Look out! Time moves on. <laughs>